WHYY and BillyPenn.com. It is hitting season. I'm your host, John Stolness from The Good Fight. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. And coming up on this episode of the podcast, conflicted feelings. The Phillies take two out of three from the Mets, a team that has had their number in recent years, and yet I don't feel satisfied. Sunday's win, one of the stranger wins, or I guess we should say Mets losses that you'll ever see. We'll talk about that, what it means, if anything. And we'll talk about the first two games of this series as well. A lot went down in this three-game series against the Mets, as Phillies series against the Mets often do. And we'll also just get a little bit of an update on whether or not Bryce Harper is going to get back onto the field and really as a way to get Kyle Schwarber off the field. All that stuff coming up here on this edition of Hit and Season. Joining me are my good friends Justin Clue and Liz Rocher. Justin from Baseball Prospectus, the dirty inning and absolutely hammered on the Hit and Season Patreon. Follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue. Justin, what's the word, pal? Well, I you know, I guess before we get started, I'll just say that I remember another baseball game that was very important to the Phillies in which they loaded the bases and someone got hit by a pitch and that started the rally that uh, let them continue ah. to play in the postseason. So, you know, I think there's a, yeah, it's a lot of stuff flying around, but uh, when it happened that time, it was cool and heroic and, and memorable and legendary. So, you know, you win. Sometimes you just win like that. The important thing is it's that you won. Yeah, and we'll get into that because that is a, that is a fair point. The Phillies have certainly lost their fair share of games by handing games over to their opponent this year. Uh, Liz Rocher from Yahoo Sports. Follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Liz, we've, we've seen that, haven't we? We certainly have. It was nice to be on on the good end of it, especially against the Mets. Mm -hmm, God, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I've said a number of times that I have two very close friends who are lifelong Mets fans. And we agreed yesterday when I saw them that, yes, Phillies fans and Mets fans are very much the same. Uh, And then they invited me to come with them, me and my husband to come with them uh, to London next year when they play. And I said, I'm going to have to get back to you. (laughs) <laughs> I love yeah. them, but spending so much time with Mets fans in a baseball environment is soul-sucking in a way that I don't think it necessarily is with the Phillies. But you could just vlog it, Liz, and just do like a whole thing, you know? I could. Of, I could uh, vlog it. You think could of vlog the content, Liz. vlogging anything. The content. <laughs> hashtag oh, yeah. everything. Everything's got a hashtag when you're, when, oh, yeah. when you're doing it. If, I, yeah. I'll, if they're actually going to go, we'll, we'll go. Yeah. Um, and I'll I'll uh, use that uh, to uh, generate all the content anybody could want. They'll be That's so right. sick of London content that they'll just That's right. throw me out. Here's Liz at Big Ben. Here's Liz at Parliament. Here's Liz at a pub. She's wearing her Phillies hat. Here's Liz <laughs> Here's- doing a TikTok dance at Piccadilly Square. <laughs> Here's me putting a Phillies hat on one of those guys with the big furry things on their heads. Yeah, the caterpillar things. Yeah, I know exactly what you're yes. talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's uh, let's dive into this uh, Phillies Mets series here, and, and specifically the game here on Sunday. The Phillies, of course, for those of you who were paying attention, won this thing seven to six on the most bizarre eighth inning you will ever see. The Phillies trailed six to eight heading into the eighth. Uh, the, the the Mets. Entering the eighth inning, had a 91.6% chance of winning the game. That was the win expectancy. And then the Mets' bullpen happened. And this, like I mentioned at the top, it was kind of unsatisfying. But, Justin, you have a good take on it as well. You know, you win the game, and sometimes you're going to be handed a victory. We saw against the Atlanta Braves in the final game of that series, Kyle Schwarber missing a line drive that, yes, the Phillies were down by a run at that point. But when you get the ghost runner on second base to start the inning, you, you felt pretty good about the Phillies at least tying that game and moving forward, but the Phillies just handed them four extra runs in the 10th inning of that game, and the Phillies' defense has done that a couple of different times over these last couple of years. And so here in this in this eighth inning, you you had the Mets metsing, and the, the, the power of Mets metsing clearly strong enough here in 2023 to overcome anything else, any, any self-sabotage you as a baseball team feels like you can do unto yourself, the Mets will hold your beer. They will outdo you. The, the power of Metzing knows no other. And I think that's the grand lesson to take from all of this, Liz, because 
to, to get two, the, the game tying and game winning runs to score on RBI hit by pitches, to score four runs in the eighth inning while going 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position and getting one hit. I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, that was that was bizarre. I mean, in the as Phillies fans, as baseball fans, we I feel like we're always ready for anything to happen. That's kind of the great thing about baseball is that like a bad throw can set off a chain of events that you don't know where it will lead. Mm. And this was one of those days where I felt like you, it would be good to be ready, but I was not. I was not mm-hmm. ready for that to happen because every time I'm like, there, this is not happening. Hit two people with a pitch. Three? No, this is not yeah. happening. It was fun to watch, um, but also uh, frustrating. <laughs> it was frustrating. It was good. Listen, I don't want to get down on the Phillies because they did win the game. But they also did it. They scored, what, four runs on one hit? Yeah. Uh, And while that's cool, it's also just one hit. Yep. They scored on a fielder's... Yeah, the Mets just sort of gave them everything else they needed. Yeah, they, they scored on a fielder's choice, and Alec Bohm ground ball to third base that should have been a double play when, with the bases loaded and nobody out. And instead, a wild throw to second base, everybody saved. So the bases stay loaded with nobody out. Uh, they walk in a run after that. Um, you had Kyle Schwarber. Uh, it was Kyle Schwarber who walked in that situation, right? And then you had two hit by pitches. Uh, you had, oh no, Kyle harsh. Schwarber got hit. Marsh Marsh got the walk. That's right. Thank you. Marsh got the walk. Uh, Kyle Schwarber gets hit by a pitch, and then Trey Turner gets hit by a pitch with the bases loaded. I mean, I I felt like, Justin, this was an uninspiring win because the Phillies really didn't do anything. It didn't feel like to earn this win. They hit into a double play. They they struck out every other opportunity where they weren't getting hit by pitches with runners in scoring position. That really should have been an inning where they scored six or seven, and thankfully they managed to hold on to that one-run lead. But the nightmare in me that was... I was envisioning, a, and especially when Craig Kimbrell hit Pete Alonso to lead off at the bottom of the ninth inning, you could just you could feel you could feel the loss coming, and amazingly, it didn't. Yeah, look, I'm not gonna sit here and act like that was a, a win that's gonna make it into the annual highlight reel. Like that 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 was obviously a oh, they'll squeeze it in there. They'll, to, they'll to find watch. a way. That's more of a, a quirky. Yeah, the <laughs> Phillies just found a way, even when yeah, the offense yeah. wasn't there. Like it's that's gonna right. be. Look, I, we all saw the same game. I, I, I'm perfectly aware <laughs> of, the, of the lack of awe-inspiring uh, just wonder that this win gave off, and certainly yes. it it didn't do a whole lot for people's confidence in the team moving forward in games they haven't played yet uh and i think everybody's a little poisoned after losing both those games to the braves but i mean i'll just say just because they're being handed a game does not historically mean the phillies will will take it so there is something you have to do (laughs) skillfully as a team when when a team like the mets is leaning into you and being like oh my god just take this game away from us just please take it and Bucks in the dugout, like, come on, come on, I'm trying to get fired. And, like, <laughs> Brandon yes. Nimmo's like, ah, whoops, my first error in, like, three years or whatever. You know, when they're really willing to give it away, it does, you know, you do have to accept it. And the Phillies don't always do that. Sometimes they're like, well, no, we, we also don't really, we're not, we didn't bring our A game today either. Uh, you know, I, I got to give, give Brandon Marsh some credit in that rally. He worked a walk, you know, he that's did. Not, that was a good walk. That's not nothing. That's yeah. especially him. He's, he's, uh, he's certainly had his struggles at the plate lately. So that's, that's not nothing. And if they're going to throw at you with the bases loaded. Yeah. I mean, just stand. I mean, he, Trey Turner used his cat like skills to get out of the way of one pitch. So, you know, sometimes getting standing there and just taking a hit by pitch can, uh, put some, put a sting in you. So yeah, I, I'll say it was not the prettiest rally I've ever seen for the Phillies, but if a team wants to lose a game, especially the Mets, especially a division rival, especially a team that, that probably could have, you could say probably should have swept the Phillies this weekend. If they want to hand you two games, you got you got to take them. And frankly, the way this team has won games this season, just in clusters, you're winning four or five at a time and then kind of losing the same amount. They finally got some momentum. And I'll just say if this, if we entered, you know, with those two losses to the Braves, one of these little gaps between winning streaks, then being there are worse things to happen than being handed a win. That should have been a loss, especially when, you know, they shut out the Braves for nine innings in a game they should have yeah. won earlier, yeah. too. So sometimes you just get the breaks and you got to be good enough to take them.
Yeah, and that was kind of what it felt like in the Braves series was that the, they I really thought the Phillies and Braves played a very even series. They like did. I, you you watch those two teams play, it was hard to see for most of those games which team was the better team. Both teams were pitching outstanding. Neither team was able to get any offense going, but the Braves found a way every single time the Phillies open the door just a crack to kick the door through. And yeah. in this case, in this case, the Mets, I, I don't know that they opened the door a crack as much as they flung it open <laughs> wide so that the snow could come rushing into the room and everybody say, close the door, close the door. And they and, and they just refused to close the door. Um, but nevertheless, they won two out of three. And I, I it doesn't feel like it, given how much the offense has struggled over the last week or so, but they've won 15 out of their last 20. And maybe it doesn't feel that way, because even though they've won 15 out of their last 20, they're still losing ground in the wild card race, which is <laughs> which, which is just crazy. So yeah, ultimately, I would say that's that's one of the main things taking away the uh, the success of winning a series here. Uh, yeah, you, you just take a gander at the wild card standings and like, oh, still three and a half games out. That's right. I forgot we weren't just like sitting there. So, yeah, that is. That is still an issue for this team. But, you know, as far as, like you said, as far as how they've been managing to win games, they've been able to rely on their starting pitching a lot more. And entering this series with the Mets, their starting pitchers since June 3rd had a 178 ERA. And after, you know, Chris Sanchez and Zach Wheeler gave up uh, a collective eight runs in just over 10 innings, that number is now up to 209, which is still pretty good over mm -hmm. 116 in a third inning. So yeah. their starting pitching has really been a strength. Uh, even in these games where it, it wasn't perfect or it didn't look great, they still managed to uh, put together a really good stretch here from June 3rd. I mean, I, I, again, I'm seeing what you guys are seeing, and I, I, I can't say I was very uh, satisfied with the Phillies' effort in a couple of cases here. But again, if you're playing a team that's given out even less effort, then yeah, you got to yeah. win that ball game, And they did. So, hey, another series win. Liz, this was the second time in Mets history in which their pitchers issued consecutive bases loaded hit by pitches. The other time it happened was the first game of the final weekend series against the Marlins in 2007. Oliver Perez hit Cody Ross and Mike Jacobs. Uh, Mark Oliver Simon. Oliver Perez, who I think might still be in organized baseball somewhere. <laughs> Probably. And so look at this. It opened the door to a story about Cody Ross feeling physical pain for a little bit. How yeah, is this okay. not a win win? Honestly. That's okay. Yeah. And one of the Mets reporters, Anthony DiComo, noted on Twitter that, um, first of all, I'll, let me back up a second. Even the Mets broadcast team was ripping Buck oh. Showalter for his bullpen usage in this one because he, <laughs> so he had some, lack of usage. <laughs> this lack of usage because he had some interesting human beings uh, throwing throwing pitches here at, at the end of this game. He, he had uh, <laughs> this guy in his second major league baseball game ever. <laughs> Let's this put walk him in here. This kid, this kid Walker they brought in um, did not record a single out, although, like I said, he probably should have gotten a double play ball, so not not all his fault. But, I mean, the kid you feel bad for is, is Brigham here, who just clearly didn't have it, had no control, couldn't put the ball over the plate, couldn't stop hitting guys left and right, and then he just, he wouldn't take him out. No, like, after, he did he's not have he didn't have anyone up in the bullpen. No. I'm like screaming at the screen for some reason. Like, how is no one up and ready? Forgetting that that's not my team and I'm actually happy mm. about it. Yeah, no, it was definitely a reason to rejoice. And, and Mets fans are absolutely apoplectic yeah. about it for good reason. Because Showalter was saying that Adam Adovino wasn't available. His top, his other, one of his other top relievers wasn't available. David Robertson, he wanted to save David Robertson for the save situation mm. in the ninth inning. Again, this is the Zach Britton thing all over again with Buck Showalter he from the playoffs when he was with the Orioles. And this is, this is a guy who everybody remember all the articles last year. What a genius Buck Showalter is. There's not a detail that he doesn't have under his control. <laughs> Control under his thumb. He knows every every aspect of this team in this game, ten ways from Sunday. And yet, Adam Ottavino apparently told Buck Showalter that he was available in this game, but Showalter didn't use him. And David Robertson had that one inning to give them because he's pitched twice in the last week apparently. And Showalter said he wanted to save him for a save situation that never materialized. Instead, he wanted Brigham to. I don't know, hit half the team before they, they pulled him out of the game, Liz. It's mind-blowing. And the only explanation, I think you mentioned it, is Buck Shoulder wants to get fired? I guess. I mean, what <laughs> other reason? Because, you know, I've been, I've been relieved. I think Rob Thompson has been using his bullpen arms a lot more effectively, uh, and their failures aren't necessarily connected to him putting them in bad positions. 
Uh, I know when the game is on the line, he's going to send the best guy out there. And there isn't just one guy. It could be one or two different dudes. I don't know what Buck Showalter was doing. It really is like he's learned nothing as if getting raked over the coals and being run out of baseball on a rail for like five years wasn't enough. Now he's with the Mets and he's doing it again. And he also had like a like an offensively arrogant morning news conference today where he was just he was like slapping dudes around with his words. Like, why do you want to know who's starting on Tuesday? Do you want to know when you're going to die? Like, that's actually like approximately something he said. Like he he's either trying to get fired or he's, I don't know, taking a new management class. Uh, he yeah. said after the game, according to <clears throat> Mets writer Tim Healy, that he wouldn't have done anything differently. In the <laughs> Come on, man. He's, he's, he said, what else can you do? That's where we were. No, there, 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 there's a so there's a lot you can do, to, bro. That ought to calm the Mets fans down. Let's <laughs> just lull them to sleep with a nice, condescending, eh. Yeah. I'm sure Steve Cohen well, you... loved that. I'm and sure Billy Epler loved before? that. Billy like, Epler, who's going to get fired yeah. because Buck Showalter can't do his job. Right. Buck Showalter's the guy throwing at other hit, uh, hitters on the other team, and Billy Epler's the guy coming up next in the other <laughs> on the other half of the inning. Like, he's up at his office taking a bite out of his desk watching that go down. <laughs> Have you ever managed a team? Yes. That's <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of those kinds of vibes. Um, and so, yeah, so one thing, one other thing before we before we leave this game, because there is a, a lot to talk about. Um a Zach Wheeler did not have his best stuff in this game, and that that happens from time to time. But you're you're hoping for a little bit better from from Zach Wheeler. He did give up a couple of very soft hits that ended up plating some runs early in the game, and then it just kind of got away from him a little bit. Uh, Trey Turner had a great day. This this is the kind of game that you are hoping to see more of from Trey Turner this year. He homered in the first inning, drove in the Phillies' second run with a single. Um, you had. Uh, Turner, uh, Turner after an Edmundo Sosa triple, but there is an also an inning where they they really had an opportunity to pile on some runs, bases loaded and one out, I think, and and didn't get it and didn't get any more than just the one run in. Um, but he also had a, a, a he also had a, an at bat later in the game where he walked, uh, stole second, stole third, and then scored on a on a on a catcher's error when he threw the ball into into left field. And so these are and then he had the uh, the game winning um, hit by pitch uh, at the end of the game. So he was he did all. All of the different kinds of things that we were hoping to see from from Trey Turner. He did have a play in the field where mishandled a double play ball, um, which was which was not awesome. But all in all, this is the kind of game that you're hoping to see from Trey Turner. Justin is is that he can he can be a catalyst at the top of the lineup. And now all we got to do is get all the other guys in the lineup to hit with runners in scoring position. Hey, you know, at least when the team is slumping, it, it seems like it's not like that they're just not hitting. It's just that they're not hitting when they need to. And it's you now that doesn't do a whole lot for you when you're losing games, but it does make it feel like the offense isn't as far away when it goes away. So Trey Turner being an engine for the offense is, yeah, that's exactly what he's supposed to be here. It would be great if him and Bryce Harper were playing at the levels we know they both can play at, but yeah, this is yeah, this is to quote Buck Showalter. This is where we were, and uh, Trey Trey Turner. But watching Trey Turner, you get a special kind of thrill watching a guy get himself on base, get himself into scoring position, get himself to third base, and then get himself home. Uh, that that run doesn't oh, yeah. exist without Trey Turner on the team, and that's yeah. that's. I think you're exactly right. That's the kind of moment that you're like, yeah, this is why Trey Turner is here because he can give you that run all by himself if he really wants to, and the Mets were willing to let him have it. So that was that took a lot of skill, and his game today is uh, is a is at least a nice counter argument to the idea that the Phillies didn't do anything and just let this win happen. Uh, early on, he was having one of the, probably his best game as a Philly at the plate, and he uh, he was a big reason why they weren't. Totally Totally out of it when they went down six to three. So yeah, that's a that's a huge huge boon for this team. And yeah, you just got to hope when other guys are able to play as effectively or attempt to play as effectively as Trey Turner, at least as um, yeah, that, that's this is why they got hot before because they were they were a lot more guys mm -hmm. than just Turner were able to get the bat on the ball. So uh, yeah, you know I think they got some more work to do and they got some more uh, some more adjustments to make. But for now, it is man, it's really thrilling to see Trey Turner play like Trey Turner. Yeah, and I think um, the, the the issues that uh, he was having early in the season have largely gone away. I mean, he's still not scalding the ball, but since June 1st, he's hitting 265. Um, he's scored 15 runs, which is second most on the team behind Kyle Schwarber. Um, 
you're just you're you're waiting for someone on the team to really get super hot and go on some kind of a, a team carrying run here. The Kyle Schwarber June. Uh, Liz, that we have seen in in years past, we haven't gotten that this time around, which I was kind of trying to caution folks expecting, you know, another 15 home run month from Kyle Schwarber every June. I don't think it's something you can necessarily set your watch to. No, it doesn't Everybody like seemed that. to think that it would be. But yes, it's, it's not it, it's not been like that. And the offense continues a frustrating string of play, especially with runners in scoring position. In the three-game series, they were 6-for-26. It's a two thirty batting average with runners in scoring position. In the last two games of the series, the loss on Saturday and then the win on Sunday, they were 2-for-17 for a one seventeen batting average with runners in scoring position. And everybody keeps saying, it's going to turn around. It's going to happen. It's going to turn around. I'm starting to when? wonder... Well, if not now, when, right? I mean, because we have seen teams, and the Mets are a great example of this, who do, for whatever reason, they'll go a whole season, and it'll be a freak season, but a slump like this, a team-wide slump, can happen for a whole season. Yes, it can. And I don't want to think about that happening to the Phillies. Like, I remember in 2012, after there was such a big drop-off from 2011, just wasting so much time time trying to prove that this is all going to fix itself this it's magic they're not going to be this way the whole year and if they are they'll be great next year like I don't want to lure myself (laughs) into that into that trap again um we we just have to take the Phillies as they are and I guess start doing some kind of like ceremony or ritual anytime someone gets on base and someone else comes up to bat because I, I don't know how to fix their issues with runners in scoring position. I, I remember them having some issues with it last year and actually throughout the Phillies existence, I'm going to guess. But <laughs> this it, this like that two for 17, like this feels very drastic. But also, like, I guess I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really heard much about like how different is it hitting with runners in scoring position? What are the things you do? You yeah, that's know, what, funny. What are I the actually basics? I was like looking at weeks ago when we were going through this the first time, I was looking at like baseball manuals and baseball playing instruction and trying to read like Har- Harvey Dorfman uh, books just about like what is the difference between hitting and hitting with runners and scoring but what is something that could be wrong if you're not if you are hitting but you are not hitting with runners and scoring position and the general consensus was basically like i just do it like just just get mentally prepared <laughs> to do that. it and yeah. then just do it and uh yeah it's one of those it feels like it's one of those things that yeah it's, it's deeply experiential for the players you don't know what's going through their heads when they step in the box with runners in scoring position but it's just one of those things that's niche enough that i don't know somebody might might have a big feature article out there about the mental approach of, of trying to be a more clutch hitter but i didn't find it and in general the idea was just yeah get in there and do what you got to do because you know maybe put pressure on the pitcher instead of having him put pressure on you like try to play those kind of mental games but whatever it is you're out the Phillies just they don't have it for stretches of time exactly like I I was thinking about that like maybe there's something somehow they're all not doing or all doing and then I realized that is really unlikely (laughs) that's really unlikely for like 20 guys at the same time to just completely forget how to you know the one thing that helps runners in scoring position actually come home and score so I mean I think it it's yeah. It's a coincidence, but it's also now sort of spread to everyone. It became it was a coincidence and now it's like a legitimate disease. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's Yet the mindset I would think that you would want to have going into that is when you've got runners in scoring position, the pressure should be on the pitcher. He's got to figure a way to get out of a jam, to get out of a mess. And with guys like JT Rail Muto, who he in his at bats with runners in scoring position, and I think we've seen this, and this is why the Brandon Marsh walk was such a big deal, was because he is a guy who has traditionally chased out of the strike zone. JT Rail Muto, with the bases loaded and one out early in the game, didn't swing at a single strike. Every pitch was out of the strike zone. Every, I mean, it was it was all breaking stuff that Carrasco was throwing him and it was he wasn't even close to any of it but he was almost like he was so over anxious to try and make something happen instead of 
trying to get the game to come to him. And we've seen that with Schwarber. We've seen that. It just seems like so many of these guys are in between pitches with runners in scoring position or they don't know what to look for. They don't know how to get themselves ahead in the count. And when they do get a, a pitch to hit early in a count, a fastball or something, they foul it off or they hit it into the ground. I mean, Alec Bohm, I, I swear, I, I'm really starting to think that Alec Bohm has, a, that that's his first name and that his second, his, his last name is hits a bouncer. Because every time he's at the plate, all he does is bounce one into the ground. There's a bouncer from Bohm. So it's it's frustrating in that the pressure should be on the pitcher to have to try and wiggle out of a situation. And you as the hitter, you really should be the one in control. The pitcher has also had to adjust his windup. He, he can't, he's got to now pitch from the stretch. He's got to pitch differently than he would if, if, if there was nobody on base. And so I think that's been one of the greatest disparities between the Phillies and their opponents this year is the Phillies struggles offensively with runners in scoring position. And until this recent string of great pitching by the starting, by the starting rotation, it was their ability to get guys out from the stretch with runners in scoring position and their failure to do so. And unfortunately the, the offense has not, has not picked up the slack there. And again, I, I don't really know what there is to say about that. I mean, they're just, it's guys like real Muto. You're not going to send them to triple a to figure it out. I just, it's, it's frustrating. So I want to talk also about Bryce Harper here. Um, Harper now 25 games in a row without a home run. And I I haven't been that worried about it, Justin, because of the elbow thing. He was still coming back. He came back early. You just kind of figure the power will get there. He's still hitting the ball hard, still hitting a lot of line drives, still getting on base quite a bit. The batting average is okay. It's fine. The slugging percentage being under 300 for now, a full the, his last month essentially is really kind of eye-opening. And they're if you look at the power numbers on the team, they they really are. He's he's one of their few home run hitters, and he's just he's not getting it out of the ballpark. And today was one of the first days I I watched him hit, and I was like, can he get it out of the ballpark? Like I, he took a couple of swings where it looked like he got it, and he didn't. And I I'm just yeah. wondering if there, if there's something going on there physically coming back so early. Yeah, you know I I was thinking if he boy if he knocks in a couple of runs here it really will do uh, a lot for um the narrative that the phillies let this win happen to them like you know they didn't just score passively it would be nice for him to knock in a couple runs here and uh then you can you know you, you can give them a little more credit than that i was like boy that'd be nice and then right when i was thinking that he did connect in a way that even his like reaction to what he'd hit seemed to be good and then they cut to the ball sinking, you know, in shallow center field. It was like not hard for it to be an out. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, I think we started thinking that before this series began. And now that we're seeing him <laughs> making seemingly hard contact and the ball not going where it used to go. Yeah. I, I think uh, you, you might have to start thinking of him as, as a little less of a power threat than he has been. And that is really bad news for the Phillies moving forward because they really, you know, they, they really rested on him being a power threat when every other power threat in the lineup wasn't very powerful. And they, they've been able to do that in the past. And that's why it's, like, awesome to be able to lean on Trey Turner. But the point was to have, like, you know, twice that amount of <laughs> consistency yeah. uh, instead of just another guy there replacing him. So, yeah, that's – I think that might – I wouldn't be surprised if that winds up being um, uh, related to the elbow issue and, yeah, just his inability to – muscle it out of the park like he used to be able to uh i don't think those days are necessarily over but it could be a product no. of coming back early yeah liz it could be a this year thing i don't necessarily think that bryce harper's power hitting days are are over by any stretch of the imagination i just again like with the whole offense it could be this year where he he's just not able to generate the kind of power that that he once did yeah that's sort of like the downside to having a guy who is mentally for, you know, mentally forcing himself back into the game. It's that, yeah, technically he's healed and he's fine to play, but there is a lot more that goes into rehab beyond just don't move this. You know, it's mm -hmm. he's doing more throwing now, which shows there's that. But like that also relates to his hitting. You know, if he can't throw, you know, if he's just throwing now from 120 feet, there isn't as much strength in his arm as there was a year ago at this time. So I'm definitely not willing to say that it's gone forever because that seems that, that seems so premature because he came back from Tommy John surgery like two months ago.
even yeah. less than that, less than two months ago. So I think we just sort of have to look at this as Harper really, 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 really wanted to come back. And the ramifications yeah. of that maybe weren't thought of as much as they could have been. Now, I'll say that I would rather this Bryce Harper than no Bryce Harper. But I don't know if everybody yes. would say that. I'll be honest. I think some people would be like, if he can't hit homers, what use is he? Which is incorrect. He has a lot of good use, especially since he will hopefully be playing first base soon. Yeah, well, like and that, that would... For power, how, what use is he? And that does kind of... I do kind of see that argument, but he's also been able to just contribute in other ways, like you're saying. Um, but I mean, I, that does that does put a big hole in his overall production if oh, he's yeah. not able to hit home runs. I mean, the middle yeah. of the order has just been <laughs> sagging a bit for this team, and some some days Bryce Harper was the entire middle of the order. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he uh, he has he still has uh, since June 30 is the second most walks other than uh, Kyle Schwarber, who only has one more than him. So like he's still finds ways to get on base, and I think in, in a lot of capacities, even though this these struggles have been noted across the league, I think pitchers are still you know not interested Afraid. in pitching to him with runners. Yeah, they're not giving him fastballs to hit. He's no. seeing right. way fewer fastballs this his, year than he ever has. His reputation precedes him, which is kind of like a bonus. If he's not going to have power, at least pitchers are still afraid that he could hit a home run at any time, which I honestly believe he could if yeah. someone would give him the right pitch. Yeah, and and maybe this is just a weird blip. Maybe the power's there. Maybe he's just f funky right now, and he'll he'll figure it out. But uh, in the meantime, the Phillies have got to try and find a way to get some power, and to get some power when there's guys on base. Uh, they they hit some solo home runs. Nick Castellanos hit one in the second game of the series. Trey Turner hit a solo home run in this final game of the series. And I uh, should note that the Phillies still have just four home runs with multiple runners on base this year. The only team with fewer is the Royals, who have three home runs with. Multiple multiple runners on base they're 22 and 55 okay. on the and are season the, the worst team in major league yes. baseball so. right <laughs> so la last year the phillies had 32 home runs with multiple runners on base which was tied for fourth most in major league baseball so they're missing reese hoskins for sure and they're missing the power of of bryce harper and you know they're they're just not getting much power alec bohm we thought was going to develop some power that hasn't happened uh bryson stott hasn't really developed power although I think he's been an improved hitter this year. I he can't be really upset with anything Bryson Stott is giving you. He almost uh, but hit just, one out today. And he did. He, he almost, came real close. He, I feel like he did it in another game in this series, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I yeah think he in, did. Yeah. Is it time to bring Derek Hall up and, and say goodbye to Cody Clemens, at least as far as the left-handed first base platoon? Yep. I think, yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> as soon as Derek Hall's ready, I, I think it's time Sitting to 308. See, see what he can do. In the he's line. ready. Yeah, Let's, I, I, I'm ready to I, say I, goodbye. <laughs> I think we can we can at least experiment with with the guy who came up in the clutch last year when the Phillies needed a power surge. You know, again, he's not he's not Bryce Harper, but you know, the idea being that he could you can drop him in there and he's going to be a power threat too. And if you give if you have enough of them in there, then the absence of a couple of them, you know, might not be as bad. One of my little hobbies right now on Twitter is to tweet something out every time Mickey Moniak hits a home run for the Angels because it makes people really, really, really crazy. Um, he had a, what he had are a seventh... you doing, man? This is what Go social on. media is for, working people for... into a frenzy so that yeah. they are always a little bit upset. When they see and you in public, they boo you loudly in front of your family. Yeah, it's happened. Um, but see, it's <laughs> he's... Uh, I, I don't say it, and to, to I don't point this out to say like, oh, we should have kept Mickey Moniak, but no. Mickey Moniak hit his seventh home run of the season for the Angels uh, on Saturday night, and Destiny Legardo of Phillies Nation noted that he would be tied for fourth on the Phillies in home runs uh, currently, and everybody everybody was like, well, he's, he's had five at bats against left-handed pitching this year. Well, Brandon Marsh isn't hitting against lefties anymore either. So if we're going to make the, oh, he's just a platoon guy argument, maybe not right now. Okay. So I don't, I, I certainly, I, I'm fine with the way things worked out. Moniak in, in, in California, Brandon Marsh here. He's a good player. I mean, I'm intrigued by Christian Pache from the right side. This is not to say they should have kept Mickey Moniak. I think it's more to say where the power has left from the Phillies. The fact that they just, that they've gone from a team that hit a ton of home runs last year to a team that came can't buy home runs this season. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. Um, I did hear something else on the radio today too. They were talking about um, uh, 
that was when Zach Wheeler was in trouble and he needed to get a double play. And I think it was uh, Larry Anderson or Scott Fransky who said something like the Phillies have turned 33 double plays this year, which is dead last in baseball. The oh. next closest team is like has like 50 double plays turned. I mean, with Trey Turner and Bryson Stott in the middle of the in the middle of the diamond, you would have thought that this team would be able to turn some more double plays than they have. But they, they are one of the worst. They are the worst team in baseball in turning double plays. What is, what's, what's going on? <laughs> this, is a, this is a powerful, this is a power heavy team that isn't hitting for power and that can't turn double plays that seems able to rely on its starting pitching is starting to not be able to rely as much on its bullpen uh, it's down to its fourth string first baseman. I'm just trying to, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to work this out here. What does this team do? Well, we're not very fast. You know, Turner is fast. No, Stott is no. fast. Pache is fast. But like most, for the most part, these aren't like a ton of base stealers or so like, what, what's, what is this? What's happening? Why are we comparing numbers to the worst teams in baseball, but also three and a half games out of the wild card spot and, and technically surging winners of their 15 of their last 20. Like what? What is this team doing right enough to, to be in the spot they're in, given these statistics you're citing? I think well, I they're think supposed the to hit for more power. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, uh, I mean, genuinely thought we were just ending the episode there. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah. Good night, everybody. To say. I have no idea. Um, like, I'm trying to think of what they do well. And, like, they do things not badly. But they're not the best at anything. They're, I don't know if they're close to the best overall on the season in anything. And that is a huge problem because at least yeah. the 2022 Phillies had a number of things you could depend on them to do well. Um, mm -hmm. And this team does not have that. And the good teams, that's why it's so confusing because you – the, yeah. the way it feels, they sh we think that they should have a much worse record or they should have been playing worse. But it's like they're playing better without having actually gotten better. It's I, I don't guess, understand. Yeah. I'm I, confused, just like you. I mean, like, they, they, they won a series against the Dodgers, who are really good. They won a series. They won three out of four against the Diamondbacks, who are really good. Uh, you know, like, it's not like they're just out there eating up what's left behind, you know, like taking taking the scraps. They're they're out here beating real teams. I guess they're just getting good enough starting pitching performances and then scoring just enough on those nights to win those games. I mean, they're not really blowing people out a whole lot. They're just doing what they have to do to win. But and then we look at these statistics and you're just like, wow, who is who is driving this? What is what is behind yeah. this? I, I don't even know. Like, would you call you have to call it success. You have to call winning 15 of 20 success. But what is going on? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Sorry, I wasn't this confused when the episode started. Why don't we just tell Bryce Harper we don't think he can hit a home run anymore? Maybe that'll help him. You know, you know, I feel he feels like the kind of guy who would respond to that. Yeah, I think I think very, very much so. My, and my numbers were a little off on the double plays. The Phillies are last in baseball. Double plays finished of uh, 42. Uh, the White Sox are next closest at 49. So it's not as bad. I don't know where, where they got oh, that number God. on the radio earlier today. But uh, it's still not good. Uh, they still have, have started... Um, uh, what is that double plays finished? Uh, yeah, double, what's the difference between double plays turned and double plays finished? That doesn't make any sense to me as far as like a statistic because the Phillies are at 33 double plays turned, which is tied for last with the Mariners and the A's. Again, two teams that are pretty bad. 42 double plays finished, which uh, is also dead last. I don't know. Either way, they're Wait, not what? turning double plays. Uh, I, I don't know. That, I'm looking I at fan graphs and these numbers I'm don't mean just... anything to me. No. I'll talk yeah. slower so that way the fan base here can the the fans of hit and season can can really breathe all of this good stuff in um, that we're talking about. Um, let's talk about some of the other aspects all of this. Confused uh, as we are, everyone out there yeah. is just as confused as we are. No one is happy. No one's satisfied, and everyone just wants to know one fact: what does this team do well? And we still and, don't know. The All Star well, break I think is in I wanna, like three weeks. 
I wanted to circle back to that because that is a good that, it's a good question for us to explore here. I mean, I think right now what they do well is get good starting pitching. Uh, they got good starting pitching from Taiwan Walker, who has turned his season around. Uh, he's throwing like two miles an hour faster in his last few starts than he was earlier. Again, this goes back to when he started doing shagging fly balls and, and doing infield work during his bullpen sessions. Apparently, he needed to activate the muscles in his legs by doing by fielding grounders during his bullpen in order to get a balance, get balance on the mound or whatever it is. But uh, in the first start, yes, the Mets handed the Phillies a bunch of runs with, uh, with some fielding miscues. And then Trey Turner hit a two run single to push the lead to five to one. And kind of the, the Phillies were on their way, but Taiwan Walker was dominant um, in his start. Um, splitter working was right on, was on top of everything. We saw Aaron Nola have a good start against the Braves his last time out. Zach Wheeler getting to start on Sunday, kind of iffy, but he's been very good this year. And we saw that the stuff was still there. Um, and, uh, and Ranger Suarez is pitching like a, co-ace right now he's he's been on fire his last what, five or six starts so that's what they're doing well right now and they and they do still have really good back end of the bullpen arms i mean when jose alvarado gets in there when sir anthony dominguez is healthy when craig kimbrell are, are in there and, and most of the time gregory soto they, they really do give you four good options they've done fine but the the offense has been the problem with this team. Um, it was the starting pitching early in the season. That's really f- turned it around here in July, whereas the offense... And there were there have been stretches the offense was good here in the month, but it's just it's too up and down and it's in a down cycle right now. I think if you're pointing at one thing the Phillies do well, you're right. It's not stealing bases. They're not really athletic. They don't play great defense. They're getting good starting pitching. And that's pretty much how they've won, what was it, what did I say, 15 out of 20? Yes. Okay. So, um, I, I have any other yeah, ideas? I, I, I mean, I mean I, I'm looking <laughs> at the numbers, and they do have like this is a confusing statistic. Oh, great. Uh, their line drive percentage is the second highest in the National League, at 21.3 percent of the time they're they're hitting line drives, but they're second behind Colorado, which is like the worst team in the National League. Yeah. And the the last place team, the team with the lowest line drive percentage in baseball, is. Tampa Bay, who is the best team in baseball in some respects, so uh, they're they're thir- they have the they have the second highest line drive percentage in the National League. That's that's what I got right now. They don't hit the ball hard. They don't hit the ball far. They don't hit a lot of home runs. They're actually decent at you know they don't hit a, t- a ton of ground balls most of the time. Compared that to surprised the other me. That yeah. surprised me. I saw that number today. I was looking it up and I thought this team hits the ball into the ground all the time. They got to be number one or two in ground ball percentage, and they're not. They're they're actually no. like nineteenth or twentieth. Yeah, they're far back. And so I don't know with the line drives and them having like the, the like being third in BABIP. You know, maybe maybe that is a sign that they are hitting line drives that just aren't dropping. And if they continue to do that, they will start dropping. So I don't know. Maybe that's a good sign because yeah, they their BABIP is also significantly high comparatively to to other teams in baseball see but that would say that they're getting good luck on these line drives yeah that worries me a lot oh wow yeah that's even crazier (laughs) all right high batting average on balls in play means that an inordinate number of your of your line are these these balls in play the other way are correct yeah (laughs) yeah i I think and the line drives are they just hitting them directly at people they must be a lot of that, I think that's a lot of what's happening. I think that's a lot of what's happening. And you don't hit home runs with line drives. That's the thing. When you're hitting line drives, that's great, but you got to hit a lot of them in order to, in order to pile up crooked numbers. Fly balls that you hit far are how you are how you really manage. You know, put up three, four runs in an inning without without having without it having to take six, seven, eight base runners in order to do it. And their fly ball percentage of thirty seven point one percent is seventeenth in baseball coming coming into the game. And if you look at their home run per fly ball percentage, which again, when you're playing at Citizens Bank Park, this number should be very high. It's twentieth, eleven point one percent. So they're not hitting fly balls very often. And when they do hit fly balls. Less than you know, a, lo- a lower number than league average are actually leaving the ballpark. So, yeah, line drives are fine, but they're not, line drives are not going to leave the ballpark. In the in the eighties, you could hit line drives and skid on that astro turf, and <laughs> you could run all day. It's and the, and the and the fences were so much further back when line drives were were really big. I think that's how we 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 all grew up with baseball. Just hit hit line drives somewhere. Well, just. There's defense is too good now, and it's just you gotta you gotta be able to hit the ball out of the ballpark. And I don't I don't want this game to be only about home runs, but I think we're seeing right now how hard it is to score if you can't at least mix in a few more home runs than they are. 
They're tied for third in triples in all Great. of baseball. There and then they go. can't get the guy in from third. That's the problem. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. They, they have also scored almost 100 fewer runs than the Braves, even though they are yeah. tied for third in triples oh, in all of baseball. God. <laughs> Man, this team, that's going to be the overarching theme with this team. No matter what happens in the second half, this is just a confusing team. It's a confusing, yeah. nonsensical team that no, none of us can figure out. I don't know if we'll ever know what this team is. So I guess the, the the question we can we can finish up on here is, you know, can the Phillies make the playoffs playing with this formula? And by that I mean they've got really good starting pitching, they've got pretty competent a pretty competent bullpen. You know, there's a couple guys in there that you know Jeff Hoffman. We were r- ripping him a couple nights ago. He came and he looked phenomenal in the in the game on on Sunday. That's what we've seen from him kind of off and on. But that's he's not a back end guy. He's he's a guy that you want to have in when you're down three runs and and can get some guys out. So I think the bullpen is okay, but the offense being so up and down, can they can they get anywhere this way? Is it is the starting pitching more important than the offense? Which would you rather have be really good, the starting pitching or the offense? And that kind of tells you where you where we are in in baseball right now. You mentioned at the beginning, uh, Justin, that the Phillies are uh, entering play on Monday, three and a half games tied with the Brewers from the third wild card. San Francisco holds the third wild card. The Dodgers are, are tied with them, and the Mar and the Marlins are eleven games over five hundred, uh, which is which is mind boggling. With the run differential of of minus fifteen. It's just crazy. It's just crazy. Um, but they have a better run differential than the Phillies do. Oh, yeah. So we'll get hat, hats off to them for that. Um, forget about the Phillies, whether they'll make the playoffs. I don't want to answer that question right now. But looking at some of these other teams, look at the Padres and the Mets. The Padres are seven games out of the third wild card right now. And the Mets are eight and a half games out of the third wild card right now. Liz, are their seasons done? Are they toast? Oh, no. No, no, no. I mean, we saw the Mets last year over the course of what, you know, a month and a half lose like a massive lead in the in the NL East that they eventually gave up to the Braves. And then both teams got eliminated anyway. I think it doesn't until every game counts. I know that. But it's hard to really make any proclamations about teams like the Mets and the Padres, I'm going to ignore the Cubs, uh, and the you know the Brewers until we get closer to the wire because really anything can happen. Um, I don't think, especially the Mets, the Mets season is not over. What's happening now, it will stop happening to them. They will, I'm confident that they'll resurge and continue to be just absolutely annoying uh, for the rest of the season. I'm never going to count them out. I know better than that. Um, I don't really know about the Padres. I I haven't watched them close enough to know what exactly is going on there. Uh, Though I do know that Arizona is now, has one of the, is like at the top of the West Division because both the Dodgers and the uh, the Dodgers and the Giants are in the uh, are in wild card spots right now. Yep, yep. Like that's that's what the NL East was last year, where it was just just NL East taking over the wild card and like one other team. You know, I'm not ready to say any team. Uh, I mean, gosh, even the Pirates. The Pirates have the same record as the Mets right now. I mean, I'm willing to yep. say the Cardinals are out of it. I like that. Okay. <laughs> that makes me feel yep. good. But I'm not willing to say the Mets and the Padres are out of it yet. They have too much talent, and there's too many games left to play. Justin, what do you think? Full disagree. <clears throat> Mets aren't making the playoffs. Uh, the Padres aren't making the playoffs. The Pirates aren't making the playoffs. I said it coming into the season. I have my doubts if the Mets are going to make the Man, playoffs. Man, you nailed that call. You nailed and that call. Since yes, that's now just in about the middle the... of the season when nothing has been decided. He's nailed it. <laughs> He's nailed it. Uh, just uh, uh, because my preseason predictions were pretty much a mess, uh, that might be the only one I got right so far. So uh, I'm going to ride that one to the finish line. I don't think the Mets are going to make the playoffs. I think that situation is way too messy. Um, we're, we're, the question is, when are they going to fire their manager? When are they going to fire their GM? Oh, I can't if you're wait. going into the All-Star break with that being your narrative, I don't feel like you're a team that's destined to make the playoffs or a team of destiny that is uh, about to go on a second-half run. I think the Padres are more capable of that, but honestly, I'm just disgusted with the Padres at this point. I've given <laughs> 
given them so many picks and so much love over the years. And I like the way that team's put together. And I like the way the, they just keep collecting young stars who are awesome, but they keep not doing it. And I'm sitting here looking at a playoff picture with the San Francisco giants in it. And no. Padres, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you can't. doing? The Dodgers are, are dying right in front of you. They are crumbling into dust. I know that they have another, they have another gear. They haven't found yet either. And they could very well find it, but what are you doing? Padres, the shifting landscape of the NL West is yours to capitalize on. And you're sitting here with the Mets seven games out of a wild card spot. I'm done. I'm done with the Padres. They're, they're, they're out. They're not making it. And honestly, if you're down there with the Mets, that's what you deserve. Well, I don't disagree. I, I think the Padres also have a better chance of making the playoffs, although they do play in a, a pretty tough division. I don't believe in the Giants. I looked at that roster. I, it's a, a typical Giants roster. You know, it's full of like guys in their mid thirties who are having like a renaissance season, but there's just, I don't, I don't see how they can always happen to them. I don't know, but they have the, they have the voodoo magic. Um, But I agree. I think the, I I think the Mets could sell. I think the Mets could sell some pieces that of (laughs) some of these dead weight pieces. No, do you, Matt, can you imagine Steve Cohen doing that? Cause that is admitting failure. Before the season's what over. What is he watching? Th- what he's watching not- is failure. This yes. is a failure. Of course it's a failure, but the point is not to admit that. If you sell if you sell midseason, you're admitting that everything you put together is garbage and didn't work and you screwed right up. And I don't believe that multi billionaire sixteen billionaire net worth Steve Cohen, who has more wealth than a number of MLB owners combined. I don't think he, in the same year that he is, he's running the highest payroll in baseball by a decent amount, is going to sell. He does Honestly, not have it in. I don't think he has it in him to do it. It would be admitting defeat, and Steve Cohen does not admit defeat. Honestly, I think I'll agree with that, but I don't think it means the Mets make the playoffs either. Oh, no, I think, I'm not saying I, I that. See, I want to see what he does at the trade deadline now, because what if what if they're just buyers? What yep. if they're just like, they ignore, ignoring the wild card picture. Let's just buy, let's buy more stuff. That's buy more what I'm stuff. thinking. Yeah, That's, that'll be great, he, because it's not going to no. fix the no. team. <laughs> He's got money, and the only way to fix things when you started with money is to throw more money into it. We're Phillies fans. We have been here the last few years. We understand the way this works. Fortunately for us, it actually worked out a little bit last year. But the Mets are not in that place. So I think I think there's a chance. Maybe they don't sell, 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 sell. But I think there's a chance that they maybe do a little bit of both and that they, they try to do some addition by subtraction. I don't think they make a big splash at the trade deadline. Um, and I think that there are some guys that they would that they would move. Um, and I think if you're Steve Cohen, you can frame it like, you know, hey, we, things didn't work out. Th- things aren't working out this year. We're going to retool for next year and we're going to be we're going to be contenders again next year because we're going to spend. But, you know, the roster is the roster doesn't isn't working the way we thought it would. I think I think if you're Steve Cohen, you can sell a sale without necessarily looking like you are a failure. You can kind of make, and certainly that maybe even, you know, a, a firing of the manager I or the general manager goes say, along with those kinds of things too. And just firing, say, this isn't on me, this is the manager and we're going to sell some pieces. Exactly. I can see that. Yeah. I can see the announcement that the GM and manager are gone coming on like Mets stationery from Steve Cohen's account that gets pinned to the account that's just like, this is not what we wanted and we imagine the season's going to, we, you know, we, we've decided a different voice in the club Bass is needed. Like, yeah, I can totally, I can totally see that happening. All those using all that fun vocabulary the publicist gives him to, to mm-hmm. say this was a failure without saying this was a failure. I, As I'm for the eager f- to see what happens. Yeah, me too. Because it certainly is, you know, this is a great team to popcorn to watch, eat popcorn <laughs> and watch. Unless you root for them, and you know, Mets fans, it, people wonder: Is it ever? You ever get tired of dunking on Mets fans and watching the Mets lose? The answer, friends, never. is no. It never gets old. It's, it's. I mean, you don't. You know, you know that it could happen to you, and you know that if it were to happen to Phillies fans, Mets fans would be just as gleeful in watching our pain and suffering uh, as as well. And for the for the Mets fans that we know personally, obviously. We don't want you to suffer, but at the same time, we generally speaking want the Mets and the Mets world to suffer a little bit, See, to, to to not have good things. But I yeah. like my friends, but they're not listening, and I'm fine if they suffer. <laughs> I love them dearly. They were both in my wedding, but no, it's fine. They yeah. like the Mets, 
and defend the Mets to my face all the time. I had to buy, there was a baby shower for one of my friends this weekend. I had to buy a piece of baby Mets gear to give to this child. And it was gross. And so I'm fine with them suffering. I was forced. Yeah. Yeah, They'd certainly be enjoying it if we were suffering. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now, and now the good news is, Liz, you'll get email notifications from from MLB Shop wherever you got it from, saying, "Would you be interested in this product?" And it'll be some kind of thing with Mr. Met on it. And you'll get these, generally speaking, you know, every few weeks or so. And you, so you can have that. You look forward to that. Yeah, we I recently right unclogged now. a public toilet in Queens and found all these Mets bibs. They're now on sale <laughs> in the MLB Shop. Yeah, all I need are emails with baby crap in them right now. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's wrap up this episode of the podcast. And again, a, a, it's good to have won two out of three against the Mets. It's not satisfying in any way, shape, or form. The only thing that's satisfying is the fact is how the Mets blew it and, and what – Keith Hernandez really is going through right yeah. now. That's that's the only that's the only reason why I think it, we you know we're we're feeling some some sense of uh, of chipperness on this podcast because I I was ready to come on and 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 just you know rip some fire if they'd lost that game but thankfully they won and so um, they now uh, have an off day on Monday and the Phillies come uh, back into play on Tuesday and they'll start up a series against the Chicago Cubs in Chicago at Wrigley Field a place where they got swept last year and that's this that's the site of uh, after that series at the end of the year last year where I won my my epic rant about blowing up the team. So let's see if they can do a little better this week uh, in, in Chicago. Um, any final thoughts, Justin, before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, you, you touched on it briefly, but this team's schedule leading up to the all-star break is uh, there's a lot of variety to it. Let's just say uh, the Cubs are a beatable team, but now you're, you're going to Wrigley to play them, which as you just said, doesn't bring back any great recent memories, Nightmare. but then they get to play the nationals at home for three games. And then, you know, Diesel, a.k.a. Shaq, is going to have a concert after the first or second game Great. of the series. So that should that should get the that should get the energy going <laughs> the back in the park again. <laughs> yeah, and then they get to go to Florida and play the Rays and the Marlins, Great. two teams that have Yay. been better than them all year long significantly. <laughs> so yeah, it could be uh, it could be interesting. A lot of tests, a lot of different degrees of tests here. But mm-hmm. I do I do think this team uh, has the has the gall to beat the Cubs at home. But yeah, I'll, uh, it's going to be an interesting week. It's going to be a lot of fingernail chewing, I think, in the Delaware Valley. I agree. Um, I'm the Phillies have did play better on the road in their last road trip, uh, road trip, and so uh, going out to Arizona and Oakland, and hopefully they can find their hit and shoes uh, in 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 Chicago. Liz, final thoughts from you. Well, we spoke about some former Phillies today, uh, and I'm going to talk for a moment about another one: uh, Orioles starting pitcher Kyle Gibson. Uh, he had a lovely write up in the Baltimore Banner, which is a our local nonprofit. Um, newspaper here in Baltimore. Um, it starts with um, a tale about how his first uh, child was born, uh, Hayden. She was born premature. Um, and then it goes into a lovely thing about how him and his wife manage, they have four kids now, how him and his wife manage actually sharing duties as parents, <laughs> which I get the feeling that it's really, it's, incredibly tough to do for baseball players during the season especially since the gibsons live in st louis and they really don't want to disturb their kids schooling that Mm. much but it's a really lovely piece uh it seems like he's found a real home in in baltimore at least on the team itself um he they they call him a leader in the clubhouse uh i keep forgetting that he's not like 25 and he's been in the he's been in the majors for almost a decade. Um, so if you have a chance, baltimorebanner.com, give it a read. It's really nice. Uh, you could just sort of see how a a former Philly who made a big difference last year is getting used to life uh, on his new team. Yeah, Kyle Gibson really helped them in the first half of the season when he when he pitched so well, and uh, he got a National League ring out of it. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And you know, we heard the Nick Castellanos story from last year as he told it over and over again this year about how he really just did struggle with balancing home life and and being on the field and playing in a new city. And it can there's all these things that get factored into whether or not a player plays well. And so much of it, you know, we we talk about their swing and you know, can Kevin Long fix these guys or why can't Caleb Cottom get this guy to throw strikes? And a lot of times it's you know these guys have lives off the field and it's it's important to remember that as well and uh so definitely check out that story about kyle gibson um 
former Phil and uh, former National League champion, uh, now playing with the Baltimore Orioles. All right, everybody, look, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. And uh, folks, want to make sure that you are checking out BillyPenn.com. Uh, that's the site that gives you all the Philly news. And we've got a Hit and Season landing page there, BillyPenn.com slash Hit and Season. And you are also going to want to make sure to check out the Hit and Season Patreon. That's where you can find the Dirty Inning now. All episodes of the Dirty Inning are there, as well as Absolutely Hammered and a bunch of other fun extra podcasts that we do, movie reviews that Justin and Liz do, uh, as well as some other things. So make sure to go to Patreon.com slash Hit and Season and become a Patreon member of Hit and Season. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Hit and Season. Hit and Season.